stand before you, God, lifting up our hands, lifting up our hearts, lifting up our voices, God, because we love you and we've come to worship you. Jesus, you are our Elohim, our mighty God, our creator, Lord. And God, we find comfort in that. We find peace and security in who you are, Lord. And so may that cause us to worship you, to put our faith in you, to trust you, and to be willing to give our lives and our heart to you tonight. So, Lord, here we are, God. We ask that you bless your word tonight. We ask you to speak to us, God, and move us into even more worship of you, Jesus. We love you, God. Anoint this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated if you can grab your Bibles and open them up to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. I want to welcome you guys again to our Wednesday night study, and I'm excited to get into the Word tonight. And uh, as we return here to our verse-by-verse study, uh, Jesus has left his hometown of Nazareth, and that's after they tried to throw him off the cliff. You remember that? Remember he was in a synagogue in our last message, and he was reading Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2, And then he stopped and he announced that this is being fulfilled right now because Isaiah 61 is about the Messiah. And so basically, officially said his mission statement and announced that he is here. And the title of our message last week was Jesus is here. And so because of that, the town didn't accept them and they went and tried to throw him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and he went on. So as we continue here in chapter 4, Luke shows us how Jesus moved on and how Jesus is the Messiah. He is who he said he is the last time in that synagogue in uh, Nazareth. Jesus is God come into flesh with all authority. And that's what I want you to keep in mind. The title of our message tonight is actually The Power and Authority of Jesus, And that's basically our theme. This is what Luke, the writer of this gospel, is putting forth here. That the power and authority of Jesus, that, that he, he is God. He's, he's an authority over all things. I was reading this story one day in the jungle. The lion wanted to show off his authority, came up to the monkey and asked, Who's the king of the jungle? Why, you are, Mr. Lion, said the monkey with a real shaky voice. The lion then found a zebra. Who is the king of the jungle? You are, Mr. Lion. And as the zebra said that with fear in his voice. As the turtle crossed his path, the lion roared. Who is the king of the jungle? Well, the turtle said, you are, Mr. Lion. You're the king of the jungle. Well, then the lion came upon the elephant. And once again, to establish his authority, he roared out the question, Who is the king of the jungle? Suddenly the elephant took his trunk, grabbed the lion by the tail, spun him over his head, beat him up and down on the ground, beat him against the trunk of a tree, threw him into the mud pond. Days, dirty, beaten and battered, the lion turned to the elephant, came up and said, Come on, just because you don't know the answer, there's no reason to get all upset. (laughs) Well, there is one lion who holds all authority, and that's the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? As the Bible says, Jesus Christ. And this is what we're going to see. 
the power and authority of Jesus. Now, we're going to be covering Luke chapter 4 from verse 31 to the end through verse 44 tonight. We're going to finally finish this chapter as we make our way through the book of Luke. And our outline tonight is this, and we're going to see three things. Number one is over every teacher. So the power and authority of Jesus, he's over every teacher. Number two, he's over every demon. And number three, he's over every sickness. So we begin with number one, over every teacher. Jesus, he's over every teacher. And we're going to cover verses 31 and 32 here in this first section. So take a look with me here with, on those two verses, beginning at verse 31. It says, And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word uh, possessed authority. And we'll stop right there. Now, in these two verses, we see what's going on here now. It begins in verse 31, and he went. So remember, he was in his hometown of Nazareth, as I explained. He left there, and so he went on. He went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. If you remember, Galilee is the northern area of Israel. It's like North County, so to speak. There's Judea to the south, Samaria in between. But Galilee is a whole northern area. And Nazareth is one of those towns, small towns, and Capernaum is another town. Now, notice it says here in verse 31 that he went down to Capernaum. So if you're looking at a map, and I'm going to kind of do it with your view, uh, Nazareth would be kind of like here, uh, and Capernaum is up here in this northern area of Israel. And now Nazareth is a hilly country. It's in a hilly area. So you actually go down to Capernaum, that's how you're going down, and Capernaum is on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee right here. And the Sea of Galilee is a large lake there in uh, the northern area of Israel. So Jesus made his way and went down because he went down the, the hill where Nazareth was and made his way to the north shore of the Sea of Galilee in this little town called Capernaum. So that's where Jesus made his way. And then it says he was teaching them on the Sabbath. So if you remember last time, as was his custom, we read, Jesus would go town to town, go into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and teach the word. And that was, that was the way he was doing ministry in this manner at this time. So same thing, he went to Capernaum and he's teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Now, the people there, like in Nazareth, they were just blown away by his teaching. It says here in verse 32, And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. He taught with authority here. Now, you have to understand, back then, whenever the Jewish teachers or like the leader or the elder of the synagogue was would stand up on the Sabbath. and this Remember, the Sabbath is like Friday night sunset to Saturday sunset, so most likely it was Saturday morning or so. And then, so the leader of synagogue would, would stand up and teach. And whenever he would teach the scriptures, he would usually like maybe quote some famous rabbi, or he would take something from one of the commentaries, Jewish commentaries, there's some old teacher from before, and talk about that. And, but Jesus did something different. He spoke as he was the authority of the scripture. So we see right here that D Jesus' teaching actually came with a power and authority over every teacher that ever been heard before him. 
So that's why Jesus is over every teacher in power and authority, especially here as he's teaching. Why is that? Well, because Jesus is God, right? And being God, Jesus not only knows the scripture like nobody else, right? But what he speaks is the word of God. So as he's speaking, he's God, he's speaking. So no wonder it says here he possesses authority. No wonder everyone's astonished. They're, they're like blown away of, of his teaching and what he's saying. Now to give you a little maybe feeling maybe of what this might have been like. Over in, um, I'll just share this with you. Over in Matthew chapter 5 when Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount. You know, and all the Beatitudes and all that. And after that, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, verse 22, Everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. So notice that Jesus says, You have heard. Yeah. I mean, he's like saying, Well, here's what these teachers have said in the past. But he didn't stop there. He goes, but I say to you. That's his teaching with authority. Later on, even in Matthew chapter 5, he said, You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lust, with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then later, in verse 31 of chapter 5, he says it this way, It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. And then verse 32, he goes, But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So you get that idea, right? He's saying, You have heard, it has been said, but you know, I say to you this. So he speaks with this kind of authority and even in the gospel of mike it talks mark sorry gospel of mark talks about how uh, uh, the people are astonished and he he spoke with this authority not like the scribes did which they were like the lawyers of the scripture back then so you see here jesus teaching came with this power and authority over every teacher that's ever been heard before so what Luke is trying to tell you here is this. To hear Jesus speak is to hear God speak. That's what he's putting forth here. To hear Jesus speak is to hear God speak. You know, uh, years ago, I think it was in 2012, when we took that church trip to Israel. If you remember, uh, you guys were on the trip. One, one of the highlights, I guess they're all highlights, but one of the places we went to was Capernaum. Remember we were in, in Capernaum right there on the north shore of Galilee? And still there is actually a, a, a Peter's, they say it's Peter's old house, and we're going to see that later in our next section. But also there were the ruins of the synagogue there in Capernaum. And we got to go in there, and, and, and little you know, walls and little things are up, no more roof or anything like that. But for me, it was just amazing, because all I could think of is this passage here, that Jesus had taught right there. And you wonder if the walls could speak, you know, what would they tell you? What was it that he said? What kind of things was he teaching on? What scripture was that? 
And I don't know about you, sometimes you ever think about, well, if you can go back to the past and there was a time machine, where would you go? You know what? Time period. I, I would right away want to go back to the time of Jesus. Yeah, those three years he was doing ministry and to kind of like be in a background, just, just get to see Jesus. Yeah, get, get to hear Jesus speak. Maybe be in that synagogue when he was there teaching. And you know what? To get to hear God speak audibly well this is what luke is really saying to hear jesus speak is to hear god speak and it was over every teacher he spoke in this power and authority now we don't have a recording of that we don't have a video of that but we have the next best thing don't we our bibles right we have our bibles so let's read it let's let's study and understand it so that we can like hear from Jesus. What, what, what was behind what we were saying? What was his heart in all of that? Do you want to hear from Jesus? I do. I want to hear from Jesus. And I want Jesus to teach me as if we were over there. And the only way we can today is get into our Bibles like we're doing tonight. And here we hear or can read and almost hear God's voice. I like something C.H. Spurgeon wrote. The Bible speaks to you in the very tones of God's voice. I love that thought. I think it's just beautiful and wonderful. So we see the power and authority of Jesus over every teacher. Because when Jesus speaks, God is speaking. Well, let's go on to number two. Jesus is also over every demon. Jesus is over every demon. Now we're going to cover verse 33 through 37, this section. But take, first take a look at the verse 33 and 34. It says, And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And we'll pause right there. So in the synagogue comes this guy now, and he's demon-possessed, basically. Now, kind of picture the scene. Jesus is teaching here, right? Everyone's amazed. Like, whoa, he speaks with authority. And perhaps, this, this is what I picture, perhaps this guy, maybe he was this local demon-possessed guy that was always around, but he could hear Jesus teaching. And maybe he starts going, wait, there's something different with this guy. He's speaking with this authority. And maybe as he gets closer, he can hear and recognize who this is. Perhaps, and this is just my mind, perhaps this demon knows who this is. Maybe like, whoa, that maybe doesn't recognize him by his human form, but he recognizes his presence. He recognizes the authority in his voice. He recognizes this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. This is the second person in the Trinity. I know him. And perhaps this demon, the last time he saw him was when he fell from heaven, right? Demons are just fallen angels that rebelled with Satan and followed after Satan, right? So perhaps he goes, maybe the last time he saw Jesus was in heaven and he had rebelled. But now, oh, this is Jesus. What? He's here? He's here now? So imagine that. So you can imagine why this this demon that's possessed this guy comes into the synagogue while Jesus is teaching and interrupts it all. So he comes in 
And he cried out with a loud voice. I don't know about you. I, I pictured a kind of voice, you know, kind of thing. He's like talking all weird. Like he goes, ah, it's you. And then he says, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? And, and under, in the NLT, it translates, it translates that phrase, what have you to do with us? With, why are you interrupting us? Interesting, right? Like, why are you here, Jesus of Nazareth? And then he goes, have you come to destroy us? Like, this demon knows who Jesus is. And it's almost probably like he goes, that's Jesus? He's here now? He's in the human form. He's here to, now, the Messiah on the earth right now. Oh, no. He's, if, if Jesus is here on the earth now, oh, he's here to get us. He's here to stop us. So that's why he says, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. I can tell. I recognize you. I know who you are. Now I know in your human form, you're the Holy One of God. You're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. You're that coming one. I know who you are. So can, can you imagine this whole scene going on? Here's this demon in this guy, right? Well, look at verse 35. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. Now that last phrase, having done him no harm, means that after he came out, uh, the demon did no more harm to him. But notice here, but it says, but Jesus rebuked him now. Yeah, He's just telling him, hey, he says, be silent. Literally in the Greek is muzzle yourself. It's like, shh. You know, he's like shushing the, the demon here. Shh. Don't say anything. And then Jesus just says, come out. Come out of him. And then look what happened. The demon throws the guy down, almost like, it's his last thing he wants to do, and he's mad, he's angry. He has to come out, so he throws the guy down, trying to harm him, and, 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 and throw, he just falls down, the guy falls down, and then it says, he came out of him. Do you see how powerful the authority of Jesus is here? Jesus says, come out, and it says here, he came out. The demon came out. That's how powerful Jesus' authority is here. And then verse 36, what do you think? And they, everyone in the synagogue, were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? In other words, Jesus just speaks? What is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, the demons, and they come out and reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. So the headline was, Jesus just spoke the word, and the, and the demon came out. Jesus, his, his command came with power and authority over every demon, which no one's ever heard that before. Why is that? Because Jesus is God, and knowing that demons have to obey Understand Jesus' day, they would have like some of these exorcist guys and they try and do their thing. I was reading one thing they do is take a ring and put it under the nose of the possessed person. And then they would start to say all these uh, like words and phrases, kind of like um, incantations kind of stuff. And, and they would do this for days and days attempting to try and get this demon out. But look at Jesus. 
He just spoke, come out. And the demon came out. That's the power and authority of Jesus over every demon. So here's the thing what Luke is saying. Demons must obey Jesus. They must obey Jesus for they must obey God. Isn't that great? Demons must obey Jesus for they must obey God. You know, the father of the Reformation, Martin Luther, wrote this hymn. You guys maybe recognize it. It's called, A Mighty, a Mighty Fortress is Our God. A mighty fortress is our God, right? Well, in the third stanza or the third verse, this is how it reads. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath will his truth to triumph through us. And then it says, The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. And then it says this, listen, One little word shall fell him. I love that. Just one little word commands Satan. One little word commands the demons. That, that's what Martin Luther wrote here. And this is what we see here. Demons must obey Jesus for they must obey God. Do you see that today? That no demon has it over on Jesus. Like we're seeing, what a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. So, if you feel oppressed, maybe tonight, maybe you feel attacked by the enemy. Know this, that only Jesus can deliver you and he will deliver you. And, and understand this, just a note. When you become a believer in Christ, right? Jesus lives in you and what? The Holy Spirit comes living in you and Paul said in Corinthians that we're a temple of the Holy Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit resides in us. And know this, you cannot be possessed. You cannot by any spirit evil spirit or demonic things because the spirit is there and Paul said how can light be with darkness cannot you have God in you the Holy Spirit there's no way that a Christian can be possessed but they can be oppressed Christians can be attacked but know this Jesus is greater matter of fact turn over to 1st John chapter 4 and look at verse 4 we know this verse 1st John Chapter 4, turn to the right. 1 John, chapter 4, verse 4. It says here, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Who's greater? Jesus. Jesus. Who's greater? That's right. Know that. Know that what it says here in 1 John 4, 4, that Jesus is greater than he who is in the world. And who is in the world? All the evil spirits, the demons, the evil in the world, and Satan. And Jesus is greater because he's God and Satan and the demons. You know what? They're just fallen angels, right? Created beings. And they have nothing on Jesus, nothing on God. And if you think about it, that's why Jesus came, right? So we can overcome these things so that Jesus can 
bring us into victory over these things. Jesus died on the cross, rose again from the dead, conquered sin and death and Satan. And he came to deliver us from the grasp of evil. Understand that. You know, maybe here tonight or anyone online, maybe you've never given your life to Christ and maybe you've feeling that oppression. Maybe you feel like that evil is coming onto you and you're, you're overwhelmed. But you know what? You can, be, you can overcome with Jesus Christ because Jesus can overcome that. And all you need to do is give your life to Christ to just pray, simply pray. Say, Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I believe that you are God the Son. Jesus, I believe that you came and died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I believe that you rose again from the dead. And Jesus, I just want to accept you, receive you into my heart as I give my life to you. And that's all you need to do. And then Jesus will come in and give you the Holy Spirit. And you'll become a new creation. And then Jesus, you'll become a child of God. And Jesus will be there and the Father will protect you no matter what. So give your life to God. Surrender to Him. And let Jesus be that one who is greater in you than he that is in the world. So you see, the power and authority of Jesus here. Jesus is over every demon. Well, let's go on to our last heading, number three. Number three, over every sickness. So back to Luke chapter four. Jesus is over every sickness. We see his power and authority here. We're going to finish off the rest of this chapter here in this section, beginning at verse 38. Uh, but first, take a look at verse, the two, first two verses, 38 and 39. It says, And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. So the this, 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 uh, Sabbath service in the synagogue is over. The demon guy uh, was healed. The demon was cast out. Uh, I don't know what happened after that, or if that was the end of the service or whatever. So after that, Jesus arose. They left the synagogue, and they went to Simon's house. And whose house is this? Peter. This is Simon Peter. So he, the, Capernaum was this fishing village right on the North Shore of Galilee, and Peter had his house there. Now, as we may, we'll probably see uh, Capernaum as we go, but Capernaum became like a ministry base for Jesus. This is where he would have come back to and kind of became headquarters for his ministry there. And probably it was at, at Peter's house there. So they go back to, uh, their, they go to Simon Peter's house and they find out that uh, Simon Peter, Peter's mother-in-law, was sick, high fever. She, she was sick. And so people are like, hey, Jesus, can, can you heal her? And so Jesus stood over her, and then he rebuked the fever, and it left her, he, and she was uh, healed. And so immediately she rose and began to serve. Now, I love this. Right after she gets healed, you know what she does? She goes to serve everybody. And perhaps I, it was like, I was thinking she probably had plans, you know, after the synagogue service to have a meal with everybody and guest of honor, Jesus is coming, right? And I'm sure she was, you know, uh, like all 
you know, into getting everything ready, but she got sick, and she's sick, and she probably felt horrible. She couldn't do anything, but as soon as she was healed, I think she went back to what she was wanting to do already anyway. So it wasn't that everyone wanted her healed so they could eat. No. (laughs) But anyway, so Jesus healed her. You know what's interesting? In Matthew chapter 8, in this uh, parallel story in that gospel, it says that Jesus touched her hand and she was healed. In Mark chapter 1, I believe, yeah, Mark chapter 1, it says that Jesus took her hand, lifted her up, and she was healed. Here in Luke says that he just spoke, basically. He rebuked a fever, and she was healed. So is that some contradiction? No, I don't think so. I think all of it happened at once. Sure, Jesus came in, touched her hand, grabbed it, lifted her up, and at the same time, Jesus uh, rebuked a fever, like, be healed. You know, fever, get out of there, or whatever. And then picked her up, and she was healed, just like that. So if you put it all together, you can kind of picture the scene that is going on here. So, Peter's mother-in-law was healed. Notice something here, too, where it says in verse 39, it says he stood over and rebuked the fever. The word rebuke is the same word over in verse 35, but Jesus rebuked the, the demon there. So, Jesus basically commanded the sickness to leave like the demon. And so just another thing, he just spoke it, and this healing happened. All right, in verse 40, now in 41, it says, Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew what, that he was the Christ. So, verse 40, when the sun was setting, all these people started to come around. Now, remember this is Saturday, right? And the Sabbath starts from sunset Friday and ends sunset Saturday. So as soon as the sun set, and began to go down, then all these people came because of the Sabbath. They couldn't do any of this. But now that the Sabbath was over at sunset, they started to come, and they were bringing sick and people with various diseases. And and so Jesus started healing them. And I love this, that he laid his hands on everyone and healed them. So every person that came that needed healing, Jesus Healed, And I just love that thought. I love his compassion. I love that, well, sorry, come back tomorrow. I ran out of power. I need to rest. No, this is Jesus. This is God on all of his power and authority. But then notice in 41, now the demons also came out, uh, out of many crying, you're the son of God. There it is again, right? Just like the other demon. I know who you are. You're the son of God. I recognize you. I know who you are. And then he rebuked them. He commanded them to come out. And Luke writes here that he would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ, the Messiah. So what is this? Why would Jesus not want them to speak like he shushed the other demon in the synagogue? Well, a couple of reasons here. Jesus did not allow them to like broadcast it. He's the son of God. You know, he's the Holy One. He's the Christ. Because, well, first of all, even though it's true, he does not want like like 
people to start listening to demons, what demons say, and get truth about Jesus with what demons say. Because normally, Satan, demons, they're a liar, right? They lie. They, they, they usually mix truth with lie, if not they're lying all the time. And so, you know, he's not going to have demons like speak for him, be a witness for him. And the other reason is Jesus does not want faith to be based in what demons say. But faith is be based on what God says, what the Word says. Not of a word of demons, but the Word of God. And so that's really important. Now, there could be other reasons. Some commentators speculate that, well, you know, the Jews were already looking for a conquering Messiah who wanted to take over Rome. And if they start spreading all this, the Jews might get really excited about this and, and all that. And it could be some of that. But I think primarily, he, he, he doesn't need their help, you know. I mean, like, I think it was Acts 17 when that demon-possessed girl was going around and saying, listen to these guys. Paul's like, stop it. You know, you're not going to do this for me, you know, kind of thing. Cast the demon out. So, I, 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 in a way... Either way, uh, we see that Jesus healed with power and authority. He is over every sickness, for Jesus is God. And, and there's something else I want you to see here. We see him healing the sick and casting out demons. But there's something I want you to see. I was thinking about how it says, uh, who had, all those in verse 40 who had, who had any who were sick and various diseases were brought to him. And then right after that, uh, Luke talks about the demons also came out. Now, it could be, and, and for sure, there's probably demon-possessed people that were brought and he cast them out. But it could be, now, now this is what I was, I was thinking, it could be perhaps that maybe some of the sick or some of the afflicted, we should say, yeah, some with affliction, whether it's some sickness or disease or something, was actually because of a demon. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment, because I, I kind of believe that, because it says various diseases, and, and when I was studying it this time, I thought, well, maybe Luke is trying to show that some who came were afflicted by demons, and it was causing different uh, ailments here. If you think about back in uh, or in Matthew chapter 17, a man's son uh, or a man came to Jesus because his son was having seizures, seizures. And he came to Jesus, you got to heal him. So Jesus went and you know what he did? He cast out the demon and the boy was healed instantly. All the seizures stopped. Or in Luke 13, we're going to see this later. Jesus healed a woman on the Sabbath. She was bent over with this disability and she could not straighten up at all. And, and all the Pharisee guys were all up in arms like, you healed on the Sabbath, you're not supposed to. But then later Jesus, Jesus said, what's wrong with doing that? What's wrong with helping this person? And he explained in Luke 13, 16, that it was Satan that bound her up for 18 years. And then how about I mean, there's other places we, we, we see this in the gospel. But how about this? Remember Job? Do you remember in the book of Job when Satan came the second time? First it was like taking away all his possessions and family and all of that. And then remember in, in the book, book of Job, 
then when Satan came the second time and asked that, well, he's just still with you because of his health, basically. Then we find in, in Job chapter 2, verse 7, uh, God gave him the permission. And it says, so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. So I only say this, it, it could be that as these, all these sick and various diseased people came, diseased people came, that among them, some of them, it was because of the demon affliction and possession. Could be. But let me make this clear right now. This does not mean all sickness comes from Satan. That's not what this this is saying. Matter of fact, we just read, right? Uh, Peter's mother-in-law, she was sick. And Jesus just, just commanded the fever to leave. He didn't cast out a demon there, right? We have sickness and disease because, you know what? We live in a fallen world that has disease rampant. It's, it's a fallen world from the time Adam and Eve sinned. And also, we have sickness because, well, it can be consequences of sin also. But some of it can be caused by Satan. So I just kind of throw, throw that out to you guys that it could be all wrapped into the same thing. But either way, Jesus healed with power and authority. He is over every sickness for Jesus is God and even though sickness is caused by evil activity. Let's finish up here in verse 42. And when it was day, like the next day, uh, Sunday, he departed and went into a desolate place and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. So the next day, Jesus went off to a desolate, like the wilderness, to a des- deserted place, to into the countryside. And why would he go there? Well, throughout the Gospels, we find Jesus is always praying. Jesus is always in contact with the Father. So he, I believe he went out to pray. And then the people went out to look for him. They sought for him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. He's like, no, no, we gotta, you got to stay here. you got to stay here. you got to stay in Capernaum and all that. But verse 43, he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Remember, Judea is the southern section. So Luke kind of throws in there that, that he did go out preaching the word of God and he left. So as we finish up here, though Jesus has power and authority over sickness, you know what? His priority is first to preach the word. Isn't that great? The people said, no, stay, stay. We have some more people. They got to be, well, no, I, 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 I got to go. Yeah, I, I, I need, well, we'll stay with us. We, you know, no. He has that power and authority over every sickness, but his priority is to first preach the word. You know, if you keep chasing miracles, yeah, uh, you'll never change. It won't. You're just just chasing the experience. You're just chasing the miracle. But you know what changes you? The Word of God. The Word of God is the power that changes you. So our last point is this. Jesus' Word brings healing from affliction, but believing His Word brings about salvation. That was His goal. Yeah, He's going to go heal. Yeah, He's going to do everything He can according to the will of God. Powered by the Spirit and all. But Jesus' word brings healing 
from affliction, but believing his word brings about salvation. You know, uh, in John chapter 6, I think in chapter 5, he fed the 5,000, you know, that miracle happened. And then uh, he, he went, uh, took a boat, other side of Galilee, that's when they hit a storm and all the miracles happened there. And anyway, when he finally landed, uh, and all the people could see, well, Jesus is gone the next day. And they ran uh, along the shore after and found Jesus. And you know what Jesus told them in John chapter 6? I think it was around verse 2 or, or I forget, 21 or something. But anyway, you know what he told them? He said, you guys are just here for the bread. That's why you're here. You, you want free food. You want to see a miracle. You want to see the show. You want to feel, whoa, whoa, that's, whoa. You want to be wowed. He, he, he nailed it there in their motives there. But Jesus was more about the word because the word is what changes you. Jesus' word, yeah, brings healing from affliction, but believing his word brings about salvation. Bruce Barton said this in his commentary, Jesus' primary mission was to bring people to the place of decision to have faith in God, not merely to remove their pain. I like that. You know, if Jesus does heal you physically, if Jesus does that, and it doesn't affect you spiritually, then you're missing that ultimate goal. He was healing people so that they would hear the word, and that, they, that, that they would come to see Jesus for who he is and hear the word and embrace and embrace salvation. Here's the thing. God wants to be more than just part of your life. If we chase miracles, if it's all, that's all about, then God's just a part of our life. But when you hear the word and hear what God says and the conviction of the spirit, you know what? You find out that God wants all of your life, and that's what changes you. When you surrender everything. Listen, as we come to a close, the problem is that we want to run our own life. But the solution is to have God be the Lord of our life. And let me close with these thoughts. If we believe Jesus is power and authority over all things, do you believe that? Then Jesus Jesus should have power and authority over our lives, over your life. I was thinking about this. Um, I just, we just sold our car to our son. And as with any transaction, when you sell your car, what do you do? Get the title, sign it over, right, to them, put the names in, and, and that way it's officially his because you signed it away. And it's, he has ownership, my son has ownership of the car, and then he just you know, gets official papers from the DMV when he goes down there. Well, when you give your life to Jesus, it's like signing over that title over to him. That your life belongs to him now. You're not holding the title still, right? Jesus isn't here to borrow your car here and there, right? He wants the whole thing. He wants everything. He wants to drive the car. He wants to do whatever he wants to the car, you know. You know what I was like? Oh, Justin, take care of the car. Well, Justin, what are you going to do with you know, No, it's his now. I try and put it out of my mind. Whatever he does, he does it. He holds the title. Well, same thing. Jesus, he holds the title to our lives. So think about that. Does Jesus really have the title to your life? Or do you keep trying to take it back? 
Listen, let's not just want that power and authority of Jesus working in life when we need when we when we need healing, right? When we need rescue or even when oh God give me this word, Lord, I need your help, you know, that kind of thing. Or deliverance from those satanic attacks and everything like that. But let Jesus be Lord of your life all the time. Your life belongs to him now. I'll close with this. Augustine said, the early church father, he said, Augustine said, Jesus Christ is not valued at all until he is valued above all. He has to take that place of power and authority, not just when you need him, but over your whole life. So let's remember the power and authority of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, as we come before you, thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. It, we can see, Lord, with our eyes, with what we have read, and come to understand by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you are above all, God. That you are the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That you are powerful. You are in authority. God, you are not just some good teacher, just some guy who, who got into a bad thing and, and unfortunately was put on a cross. No, you are God come upon this earth and you came with that authority and the miracles you did, it was with that authority. The healings you did, the, the casting, commanding demons and casting them out and the teaching of your word came with that authority, Lord, because you are God. And Lord, we see that. And in that we find great comfort because you are greater, Lord. Greater are you, Lord, that is in us than he that is in the world. But at the same time, Lord, we want to submit to that power and authority as we give you our lives, Jesus. And so, Lord, as I pray, as we come before you right now in our hearts, that we would hold nothing back but give you everything that we would picture ourselves signing the title of our life over to you, God. Our heart belongs to you. Our mind belongs to you. Lord, everything about us belongs to you. Our soul belongs to you. But we know, God, that we are in safe hands, Lord, because you have all power and authority. And now that you've risen from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father, Lord God, you reign in our hearts and you are our sovereign Lord God. And we look to you with great faith, trust, love, and worship tonight. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen.